0: Hi and hello watch fans and welcome to another edition of the real time show with me your friendly neighborhood watchmaker rob nuts today i am joined by one of canada's finest alexander beauregard a man whose pursuit in watchmaking you may not yet be as familiar with as you should but he's already won some pretty top ranking awards so we're very glad that he's decided to join us today in the virtual studio alexander welcome to the real time show thank you it's a pleasure to be with you so tell us about where you're calling in from, because you're actually in the workshop as we speak, right? I am. I am. We have. Uh,
1: it's my magic space. It's a workshop attending my home. I guess a lot of us uh, watch nerds have our workshop right next to our bedrooms, just so we have only a walk. We're a walk away from uh, our passion. Uh, but we have quite a big shop because here we do all the gem, uh, the old jewelry uh, dials of our watch. That's the, uh, the particularity of uh, Beauregard. They're all haut jewelry dials and they're all made in the house in our workshop in Montreal. I live in Montreal. Uh, that's another thing we have to mention from the top. Uh, the brand Beauregard is uh, Swiss, uh, it's in Geneva. I live in Montreal, so I travel quite a bit. I do. <laughs> I go to Switzerland pretty much every month, uh, but all the gem work is done in Montreal in our workshop uh, because we, at first, I I try to find people to help me with this, but uh, the, the dial, the way we make them, it's uh, well, it's never been done before, and uh, we had to, we had to make our own tools to develop the techniques to, to do some pretty crazy machines where we we use a. Uh, like a big cauldron for soup, uh, a mortar for a sewing machine and, a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, an ultrasound machine from that I ordered from Japan. And we, 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 we did some kind of Frankenstein work, uh, but it worked. So it took, yeah, like five years to, to build our tools and our knowledge of, uh, a new way of, uh, cutting stones. So that's at the arts, the center of, uh, everything i I design it's the the gemstone i have I have a devouring passion for those uh, little color gems and uh, and the watch is the intricacy I think the the watch is a, a landscape where all my passion meets because i you know I did the graphic design fashion design I was always in the, somehow connected in design in my studies, and there's always something missing you know you're drawing, you're painting, you're, uh, but in the watch, uh, you do everything. I mean, there's there's a, a, obviously a very technical side to it, which I love. It's very, very intricate, uh, and you can go crazy on the art side with uh, uh, animal jam, engraving, carving. I mean, there, there's no limit to it, and I, I sure don't impose any limits on my on my work and what I, what, you know, when I draw, I don't think about how we're going to make it at first. I just draw whatever I like, whatever I want. And then I show it to uh, my friends in Switzerland and then I get insulted plenty. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's okay. You know, it's, that's, that's the normal process. And I think we came to, li- all of us, we came to like it. So I always come with something new and then they just burst and and we find a way.
0: We always do to uh, to make it happen. A thorn in the side of Swiss watchmaking for all the <laughs> right reasons, I'm sure. So we'll talk about the watches themselves specifically a little later, but you've already alluded to a fascinating background and quite a diverse route taken to the position you're in right now. But let's start with you as a person. So how is it that you're in Montreal? Are you born and bred there? Yeah, uh, born and raised in Montreal. Yeah. I see, I see. And then you said that you have worked in fashion as well and other fields of design. So what was your education? Well, that's the the,
1: the study I did. I did fashion design and I did uh, graphic design uh, in school. And then I did did, the cinema studies, which is unrelated. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the story of my life, you know, I I had like, I made, I had a lot of uh, different uh, work uh, and I always follow what i like i mean i guess i'm a kind of a pirate i just uh go for it and uh follow my passion and it's not something i recommend for anyone <laughs> well yeah good good advice for life <laughs> you know that i think it's always such a bad way when when they they tell the young youngsters that just follow your passion just don't just <laughs> you know first learn how to work, learn the trade. I mean, I spent years and years uh, learning how to carve stone the lapidary art. I I spent years learning the the watchmaking. I think it's fine following your passion as long as you know that it's a long road and you have years to commit and to become good at it. Uh, Because at first, like anything else, you you, you suck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people just think follow your passion is like a walk in the park it's nothing like it it's uh it's a walk in a lava pit and uh you just have to have resilience beyond a reasonable amount so and uh yeah so that's uh but but that's what true passion is i mean you just keep walking
0: whatever life throws at you and, and you build on failures it sounds like you've got a very practical approach to the realization of your passion. Okay. So, I mean, not everybody has a passion that burns as intensely as yours does. So maybe not everyone can understand exactly what it's like to, you know, follow your passion, but do so with such a keen eye on what it is you need to perfect in terms of craft and skill and what experience you need to accrue to realize that passion as fully as you'd like to see it realized. So, where did that start? Was your first career in watchmaking, or stone carving, or micromechanics? or did you have other careers before you got into watchmaking?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I had many, many, many things. I was. Uh, I worked in construction. I worked on the movie sets. I was a carpenter for on the movie sets. I did. Oh my god, so many things, and but the watches came when I was like fifteen. Uh, that and and it came with a vengeance i mean really like uh uh as we say in french and english it's i don't know how to translate that you know when you fall in love really really hard you don't know what's happening to you well the watch that was the watch for me it, that world was introduced to me by a friend in montreal and it just uh, engulfed all of my energy and yeah, everything went to it. And uh, and then, of course, I met my wife. That that, that went really fast. Uh, I met my wife, we had two kids. We, we have uh, four unrelated business, successful business in Montreal. And at some point, uh, when the kids were like four and five, and I stopped uh, sleeping, I, sl- I stopped eating, I was drawing watches all the time. So, you know, passion is the, the polite way of seeing it. Uh, it really was like a sickness for me, <laughs> just. Mm-hmm. So my wife, at some point, she told me, you know, just go for it. And uh, we had a few buildings because we bought at the right time when prices were low and the interest rate were high. So we made some good money really early on. You know, I, I bought my first uh, rental building. When I was 18. <clears throat> I'm. Uh, we were really quick on that side, so we took some. Actually we sold two of our buildings, which is which is crazy because those are your assets, that's your futures. Yeah. <laughs> and we just sold those to finance uh my uh passion. <laughs> and I went to Switzerland. So I went I, I went there with my backpack and uh, my uh drawings at a uh, PSG, which is the uh the event for the suppliers mhm and I spent a week there uh made friends uh met a new a lot of new peoples and then i started going to switzerland uh every month or so and it took 5 years just to you know to meet the right people to to understand uh the implication because from the outside making a watch seems uh you know feasible quite not that hard uh it is <laughs> it is <laughs> It is very hard to make, I mean, to make a watch that is, uh, you know, precise, uh, very, very precise and very tough. I mean, I I assembled my first watch almost 10 years ago, and they still hold two seconds per day. So this for me is a watch, you know, Um, I'm, I'm very, uh, I ask a lot of myself and of the people working with me uh, and the. I think they enjoy it. And I do. You know, we just, we're just pushing always. So there's no, there's never a moment where you're totally relaxed. (laughs) I'm, I'm working on a new collection with the Ojoalerie movement, something like uh, as good as it gets uh, in terms of finishing, in terms of uh, every component. And it's, uh, we're exchanging emails, WhatsApp calls. And it's all, we're always like on the verge of, yelling at each other (laughs) because of course i i don't want to give in on anything i want everything to be flawless and i think you know the the people i know in the industry and the independent it's it's a very small world so we pretty much know each other very well and uh, we always have the same the same kind of mindset we we just can't let go and it's uh it's tough on people around us, or it, it drives them, because they're they're the same. So I think that the secret is to
0: find people like you, and to never give up, never surrender. So how big is your team right now, and what kind of specializations do each of the people in the team have themselves? So in Montreal, there's me and uh, Jérémy, working on the
1: the jewelry parts, and there's Yves, Yves Saint-Pierre, which is my master in the field. He's uh well, the best cutter in uh, North America, and he's retired now, but I was lucky enough to meet him at the right time, and he he agreed to to shape me. So I've been, uh, I studied with him for eight years, really like uh, in the Middle Ages, you know, Uh, (laughs) you have a master and you just, or like in karate kid, you know, just polish with your left hand uh, circle. So I did that kind of training. I did repeat and repeat until your end you, until you don't have to think anymore you just do the movement and it becomes natural and then you you go to the next step so and for me that's the best way to learn i'm i'm school is not my uh, is not a way to go for me because it, it's too slow there's too many people <laughs> so uh working uh, le- learning with eve you know i moved to his place for a few weeks and uh, we just worked like from right. Dust till down, and and it, it it goes so fast. I mean, those days you don't see them pass, and you just discover new stones, new way of working. Because every stone has its own way, its own uh, technique to polish it, its own hardness, uh, cleavage. Uh, it's a uh, it's a whole world, and so that so Eve uh, to re- to to return to your question is the is coming here like once a month to give us a hand to to refine our knowledge. So technically, in Montreal were two and a half, let's say. <laughs> and then in Switzerland, the way I work is uh, opposite the, the philosophy of the last 10 years, that it's all need to be integrated into one structure. The brands are very proud to say it's in-house. Uh, to me, that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the Swiss uh, excellence in watchmaking was built by all those different people uh, being the best at what they do. To try to integrate everything into one structure, to me, it's a, it's a mistake because you lose that, you lose that edge. So I go to, to those people. So I have someone who makes my gold case, and he's the best in the world, and he's renowned for it. And the guy who makes my, the hands of my watch is in Le look. Noc- and he's also the best in his field. I mean he's the best in Switzerland, so technically you're the best in the world cuz all the best are there for for the watch component. I mean they're they're so well equipped and they've been doing this for so long nothing uh, get close to to the kind of uh, quality and finishing they do. Uh, same thing with even our straps are made in Geneva. I mean we we are way beyond the swiss made. So Everything is made in Switzerland, but the jewelry art which is made in our workshop in Montreal, so that's the structure so in terms of how many people well uh the guy who makes our case you know it's it's a team of fifty people uh, where they do the hands, uh there're about a dozen uh, where we do the strap there's seven people so but inside our workshop, there's me and Jeremy, there's two of us, and then my wife will uh, come give us a hand. my son and my daughter also. Uh, uh, working in the shop, but part time, of course. Uh, my daughter is studying uh, um, industrial design, so she's working on the Solid Work like I do. So we have a Solid Work license because I do all my sketch, but I also do all my construction on Solid Work. Um, so all the creation to me, it's very important to to keep it inside my head, to keep it uh, to, to have total control uh, on the the design of the bridge of my movement. Every detail for me counts. It's, it's, I know it's been said so many times, but it's true. I mean, uh, the devil or God is in the
0: detail. Absolutely. I'm really glad to hear you express that support for the old way. The thing that made Swiss watchmaking, as you said, renowned around the world was this collaboration of masters. It was such a modern idea to try and pull it all under one roof. You've got to give somewhere. You can't be an expert in every single field. You could be really, really good at all of those fields, for sure, of course. And you can be excellent at some of them, maybe. But even the, the greatest watchmakers of our time have acknowledged that mastering everything within one lifetime, even the lifetime of a company, is generally folly. But what you have that sets you apart, because, of course, a great many brands should collaborate with the masters as you do and have a similar product but you have this stone finishing that is peerless in my opinion from what i've seen of your work and all of the work coming out of beauregard it's absolutely stunning the the stones don't look real they look like they've been hewn from pure imagination and then just you know hover on the dial like there doesn't seem to be anything affixing them to the watch you said that you learned at the knee of Eve, who had, you know, retired effectively, but still found time and energy to give you the benefit of his many decades of experience. But how long does it actually take to learn to transform a stone from a raw material into the heavenly creations that we see on Beauregard's website?
1: Carving a stone is uh, fairly easy. You know, you can learn it in a week to, to do a proper quality job. The The challenging part in our dial is that you do that carving, but you need a precision of 0.02 millimeter. That's a little under a human hair. So you, you have an organic shape with the precision of a watch component. So that's insane. Uh, that's, where the, that's why in the beginning we were wasting, well, 80% of all our components uh, were breakage. Uh because we went a little bit too far uh and like you said you don't it, you don't see the the way it's set because we don't use prongs. you have an invisible setting, and that's do that's made by compression so it's it works pretty, a little bit like an arch, so every stone is against one another, and you have component on the dials uh that when you 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 lock them, it holds everything into place, but that means that if a stone is too big, well it breaks. And if it's too small, it falls. So it needs to be pretty much flawless in terms of geometry. And since we're working organic shape, uh, that's a real challenge. Because usually the way the stones are are worked, it's with facet. You know, like a diamond, like an emerald cut. Uh, and this is fine, but it's not what I like. I mean, for me, this that's mathematic. You know, it's just angles. I know how to do this. And I have a faceting machine but you just follow a recipe a plan and 10 degree that way 8 degree that way and there's to me it's it's too too rigid and and the result is when you look at the stone what you see is light reflecting on it you don't see the stone you know when you look at diamonds and you see all those flickering that's the light reflecting on the stone you don't see the actual stone so that's why I wanted to work in those round and organic shape. You really see the stone. And, uh, but, but then you, you, have to, you have to have that ultimate precision uh, while working organic with interior shape. So that's, that's where we, we innovate. And uh, that's why we had, we had to do it in-house because I went in Germany to idar Oberstein which is the place with the best cutters in the
0: world. And uh, they pretty much told me good luck. (laughs) I'm not surprised, yeah. Uh, I mean, you must have been blessed with some of it because it has worked out rather nicely. It's so nicely, in fact, that one of your watches is currently up for consideration in the 2023 GPHG Awards, the Lily Bouton. And I know not so much about this watch, but I'm relatively intimately acquainted with it because we recently recorded a two-part special, as we do every year on The Real-Time Show, analyzing the watches nominated for GPHG Awards. And what Alon, my regular co-host, and I normally do is we have to try and guess which model from which category each of us has picked to come out the eventual winner in that category. And I surprised him this year by picking your watch, actually, as my choice from the ladies category, because it is just, well, to me, it's just flawless it the, the way that it's brought to life the, how beautiful it looks the portions the the way the light interplay's with every single stone on the dial and its surprising amount of legibility is just yeah um it's next level stuff so congratulations on that but it is in the ladies category and i believe that you are working on watches that are maybe a little bit more masculine could you tell us about that
1: yeah the next collection we're looking to uh present it at Watch and Wonders the next uh, in 2024 and we're working on a first man's collection uh, with again a uh, beau jewelry dial uh, made in our workshop it's uh, it it's another level it's completely different from the the five first collection we made which are very flowery and petals and uh, uh, very garden and the last collection candy uh, which is more like sweet and now we're going
0: uh, really and more, um, metier art. Uh, I don't know how to translate that. Uh, oh, you don't need to. It's one of those things we, we all know what it means.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going uh, really deep in the metier uh, kind of work. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, honestly, what we've done so far, it's all, uh, it's almost child play to compare to what's coming in terms of, uh, of, uh, technicity and, uh, it's like um, making it, it's the kind of uh, technical and precision you have in a in 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 a movement in terms of component and finishing but on the dials on the stones so i don't want to say too much i want to keep the surprise <laughs> but uh and and of course that movement will be uh, animated by uh, a superlative haute uh, horlogerie movement uh, okay it's all the the decoration and everything i mean i want it i want it to be done in the a little bit in the old fashioned way in terms of design i don't want to go all modern or i'm not a modern guy i like uh, i like the old ways and to hold uh, architecture the whole cars the uh yeah i love those very round shape that that were used in the 50s and 60s and so i want to Work on we're working on the movement in that direction so that's that's the next uh, the next step for Beauregard and we had uh, a casting we had a, a like a visual prototype I had with me at the Geneva watch days and uh, just on that we have uh, seven watch that are reserved on that good grief and we, we I was in New York uh, for watch time just as a visitor, but I was there for the GPAG. And uh, again, just on pictures, I have two more reserved. So now we really have to make them uh, because those are uh, a limited series of three pieces. And so far we have mine reserved and we don't even have a prototype. But I'm not worried because we're we're working on it and, uh, and we're working. Another uh, maybe interesting thing that I've learned over the years is I, we're working... Here, like, American.
0: <laughs> These
1: were, you know, we're working weekends. We should not. I don't think, I don't say that's a good thing, but that's, that's just the way we are. So I'm working on weekends. We're working pretty much all the time. And so we i am able, within a year, to have, like, two years and a half worth of work done. So, you know, we made five collection in five years. Uh, the first one being a central flying tourbillon, so n- not something very easy to... To make and i'm i'm trying to slow down but it's hard i mean when you what well, do you know what it is when you you love what you do you just want to go back and, and we're, we're also working on our first old jewelry piece for next year and uh, a jewelry uh, not a watch so we're interesting
0: yeah yeah i, I just i need to stop sketching because there well you know, I do have a lot of sympathy for you as, uh, you know, I, I, I've worked with a lot of artists who are afflicted by the same sickness. Yeah. And um, I always say to people that are trying to grow a brand, you know, one of the key traits to have, and nobody thinks about this really as as a, as a such a valuable virtue is, is patience. And also maybe being able to disconnect yourself from what's going on inside your head and what the public have already seen, because you're always four or five years ahead of the watches you're releasing right now, all of this is new to us. To you, it's probably old hat. You've thought about it a million times. You've analyzed it to death. You've improved it several times over in your head and you know exactly what you're going to do next and next and next and next to keep on building on these ideas. But you have to give us time to enjoy them because they are beautiful. Now, you launched initially with this Central Tourbillon Dahlia model. But since then, have all the models been powered by quartz movements?
1: Yes, we did because the, the tourbillon was uh, very time consuming. And uh, I know I need to control myself, but it's hard. You know, I go all in because they told me at first you need to choose are you making a jewelry or haute uh, horlogerie
0: watch? And uh, I said, we're, yeah, we're making both. Who said that to you? Who was it that said that? Uh, yeah, people in Switzerland. <laughs> There's no Swiss. one in Swiss. I don't want to give any names. <laughs> oh, come on! See, that's the advantage of the real-time show. You know, you can yeah. get over and say it all. But, but technically, they're right. You know, for a sane person,
1: that's the, a choice you need to make. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm not that sane. I guess. And and the tourbillon, you know, I I, w- I wanted everything, of course. So it's double barrel. It's an automatic. You know, there is not many uh, automatic uh, central firing tourbillon in the world. I think that's the only one. And but it, it was for for women. And I know uh women are not uh as big geeks in watches as men, so uh winding the crown and so I wanted to I wanted a watch to easy to wear. Of course it's a central flying tourbillon, so it's a talking piece, but I, I also want it to be wearable like every day and uh, and so that's the reason for the automatic and the double barrel. So you have like almost eighty hours of power reserve. Plus the automatic, and then you have, of course, all the decoration, the the cage of the tourbillon that is uh, shaped as a flower, the crown, uh, all the the case, every every little detail was pushed uh, quite far in terms of finishing. You know, even the 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 crown, it's a different component that are all set within each other, so we could perfectly polish every component.
0: Oh, I see. So every internal leaf is actually a separate part to the outside. Well, there, it's like two crowns. So yeah, that yeah. Way the the inside
1: of the petal is perfectly polished because if you make it in one part, you cannot polish the the angle, the the inside, yeah. and that's not no, that's not possible. So, so then again, I was yelled at, but uh, we did it, and uh, in the end, they're 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 quite happy with the result. So am I. And so we, so we. What I mean is, we we spend like five years working on that movement, and it's of course an expensive watch. It's all unique pieces, so there's very few of them. And we had requests from the, from the customers, you know, from the the clients to to do something uh, easier to wear and easier to buy, and a smaller piece. So that's where the idea of the Lily came, a cocktail watch, the first one, the rectangular one, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and the only way to make it was with uh, that precise movement. It was not the, the idea was not to work with a quartz. It was to work with a movement that was two millimeter thick. Because the dial is so deep, it's so big, it, it takes uh, more than half of the thickness of the whole watch. So we needed something very, very thin uh, to animate the watch and also crownless. Because mm-hmm. the movement is so low in the case that the crown would have been at the very bottom and it would scratch on the wrist and it would not look nice, so crownless. So there's all, really only one movement uh, that does the job and it's the movement that's used in pretty much every eau watch where you don't have a crown, you have a pusher in the back to set the time. And so that's why we went uh, in that direction for that collection, because the watch is so small, so delicate that you cannot put the mechanical movement in it. It's uh, it, it would be like a big block on the wrist. And uh, to me, it's very, very important that everything be integrated, not only a, a nice dial, but a nice case that sits nicely on the wrist, that is uh, seamless, easy to wear. So giving
0: all those considerations, that's the only movement we could. Okay so let's just blitz through a few stats and I want you to tell us what the prices are for the pieces that have been and gone in many cases so that our audience can get a handle on what kind of horology we're talking about here. So for the first model the Dahlia you've got a a white gold case with 144 white diamonds VVSDEF for anyone that cares totaling 0.27 carats and this One has a case also made from white gold with 330 diamonds, same quality, totaling 1.17 carats. It's 38.8 millimeters in diameter, which is remarkably wearable, and 15.05 millimeters in height, which is totally permissible given the incredible uh, dynamism of the dial that you have going on there with the central tourbillon. How much does this one or did this one retail for? 160,000 Swiss francs. That's a bargain. Okay, let's move on to the lily, the rectangular. Okay, I'll have two, please. Um, so this one is 24.5 millimeters by 33.2 millimeters. So very classic proportions. Only 8.55 millimeters thick. And as you said, the dial must account for four four millimeters of that, maybe, or three and a half. Yeah. Incredible. And this one has the quartz movement that can be set by the pushers on the back of the case. How much are we talking here? Uh, the
1: lily, depending on the gold, uh, pink, or yellow, is between forty two and forty five thousand
0: Swiss francs. Okay, okay, that's a bargain in comparison. And for the round lily, which I think is probably my favorite, because I just I just adore the dial. This one that I am looking at is in eighteen karat gold. Again, it's uh, pink gold by the looks of things, and we have a high precision quartz movement. Once again, thirty three millimeters in diameter, just nine point five millimeters thick. And what's the retail on this one? Uh, between thirty-two and thirty-six thousand Swiss francs. Wow!
1: Yeah, I know. Wow. I, I, it's it, it's actually a problem because uh, it's not. Yeah, I, as crazy as it sounds, it's not expensive enough for a lot of clients because they compare hey. to other brands, and there's technically nothing to compare it with. There's no watch with that kind of dials. So yeah, it's very uh, affordable for what it is. So and and to me, that's a good thing. You know, I don't want to to go all crazy and uh and I I don't want to get too rich too fast. So
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, what what an awful thing to have to consider. No, but in seriousness, I mean, it, it is interesting that you're talking about like pricing and it not being enough to do a certain job in the minds of would-be consumers. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Like when you come to start a new brand and you know that obviously you're going to have quite high overheads creating artisanal pieces like this with so much wastage in the creation process cuz so much just won't be up to standard how do you settle upon a price and what what goes through your head cuz i've spoken to many designers who are first and foremost passionate watch designers and businessmen maybe second third fourth or fifth on their list of talents and they often have this compulsion to offer the watch to market at a vastly reduced price to almost reward the people that back their passion forgetting of course that underpricing something as bizarre as it may seem can actually be devastating to a brand's reputation and of course its ability to grow so talk us through the thought process the changes of mind that you had as you were deciding what to price models at and why the lily bouton is priced as it is because like you say that's that's relatively affordable for what it is yeah yeah
1: well the it's very easy actually it's very simple i use excel sheet and uh, <laughs> i i list all my costs and uh and then there's a factor and the factor is off uh, my factor is too low because i don't i didn't take in consideration all the like the shares and uh so it's okay because i like i said i have other businesses in montreal so i don't need uh, any salary and everything is put back into the brand i really want to build a brand that will last a long, long time and build something very fantastic with a different product and
0: uh, stay true to uh, to the DNA of uh, Bulldog. That's a very noble pursuit, of course, and like what we all want to hear when you're starting out a new brand because obviously anyone that backs you at this point wants you to be around in perpetuity so that their investment looks smarter and smarter as time goes on. But if you've underpriced the watches or if you were to continue to, which I'm sure... You're not planning on doing, then your long-term future is 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 harder, right? It's it's a more difficult road to tread. Well, we you now we're working with partners. So we have uh we we're, we're working with uh, quite
1: a fine retail store in Dubai, another one in Riyadh, and we're talking with a few in Japan and the U.S. And it's uh it's agreed that the, the prices are going to be adjusted in the coming years. Uh, but of course it. It kind of helped in the beginning, but not really because I had a lot of, uh, like when I was doing the Dubai Watch Week, I had those girls coming very excited about the watch, try them all, and and I would tell them the price in their currency, and they thought it was in USD, and when I corrected them, and I said, no, 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 that's in uh, EAD, and you could see in their eyes, they kind of lost interest. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) Yeah, they thought it was like 62,000 USD, and... In USD, it was like around thirty, and they, so, and I, I had to explain because even people from the industry, they would come at uh, fairs and and ask, "What? It's plastic? It's ceramic?" And they said, "No, no, no, this is natural stones." And because the price point is so affordable for what it is compared to uh, what's available from uh, more established brands, well, it's it, it was complicated. We had a lot of explaining to do. And But I know we're going to have to adjust. We're going to do it slowly. Uh, but for now, we're... And I, that was interesting for me because this year is the first time we had people buying our watches as investment because right. for them, it's the it's one of the best value in the market because it's undervalued for what it is right. How we put in. And there's so few of them. You know, like the tourbillon, well, they're all unique pieces. That goes without saying. But even the, the other collection, uh, this year we've gonna we're gonna have made total
0: uh, forty eight watches. So you know what you should have kept your mouth shut in Dubai. You should have just said you can pay <laughs> for whatever you want for it. There's so few can cost whatever you desire them to cost. You know, yeah, so it, you, could have, you could have sold for five times the value and just given the other four pieces away to someone if you were feeling guilty about it. For goodness sake! I mean, that is an incredible thing to hear. That a, a watch of that price, we're talking thirty thousand US dollars, could be considered so undervalued that a potential customer who wants the watch as an object, as a work of art, loses interest. I mean, how the other half live or what? That is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those were the yeah the ladies
1: in Dubai, but then I had someone who came in his uh, jewelers. So I have a lot of clients who are in the industry, uh, like a lot of big names in Switzerland, and they buy my watches as gift for their uh, for their loved ones. And for me, that's the consecration, you know, when you have those those kind of people who knows everyone and everything, and they choose a blaugard to give to their loved one, that for me is is as good as it gets. So that's uh, and and in Dubai the same thing happened. I mean, I, I have one client in Dubai who bought fourteen watches. I'm sorry,
0: fourteen watches, fourteen, 14 yeah, yeah, fourteen, and you've made forty eight in total. Well, he, he has a one of each. <laughs>
1: almost because you know when i said we're making this year 48 watches uh with the four different collection in the uh, the three different collections are in the lily because you have the lily the lily bouton and the lily candy so you have those three and giving that we make them in rose gold and white gold and about the 10 different stones we're working so even if we're making 50 watch a year usually there's going to be maybe one or two of each every year so i mean that's beyond rare you know there's very few so when you have an lily and onyx and pink gold well that one is in Montreal and there's only one of it right now we're probably going to make maybe one or two more but so we don't those are not limited They're, they are limited because of the work and the the small amount we can make every year because of the, the dials mm. but yeah the price the thing is I, I mean that's my canadian side i guess i'm
0: you know very uh honest and um mm. and yeah want you want to work out. on that yeah that's not gonna help <laughs> 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 that doesn't get you anywhere <laughs> um, no you're,
1: you're just, going just, to adjust we're going to adjust uh price-wise but slowly and uh, you know i don't want to cause any shocks and we we're going to just s- s- try to reach a point where where we can give a tremendous experience for our clients and i think we did it in watch and wonders i was very proud of our our booth and our team and what we did and that that is a price uh, quite you know it's it's expensive but it's such a wonderful moment for us and for our clients because they get to come and see us here in our environment and to so i want to be able to to keep on doing those uh those great activities we we I was in Riyadh uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi like 3 weeks ago I was in New York last week I'm going to Dubai again for the Dubai watch week in 10 days and then in December in Riyadh again for another event. and and I want to keep doing this because that's so much fun you know to meet people to to, to have them touch the to watch and see them in person and and wear them it changes everything because you you were you very uh gracious uh, about the the watch at the Grand Prix but I don't know if you've seen it in the flesh but it's uh it's really something else than in pictures. Uh you know I have a lot of watchmakers and people from the industry when they see it they, they try to touch the pedals. Yeah. Because <laughs> because you, you, you're like there's there's no sapphire. There's no glass on top because you don't see it. The 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 dial gives out so much glow you feel like there's no uh, yeah no class and and that's people from the industry and it always make me smile and i, I love those little uh, details you know that's uh... but you need to see the watch in in real life to to really appreciate it and that was one of my main uh concern when i started because mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to see something again that is not very uh, popular but my The first time I went to uh, World, which was one of the last uh, uh, time it, it occurred. Uh, you know, I came from Montreal, uh, like anywhere in the world. You, when you're passionate about watch, you have all those magazines with those micro shots. And it looks so deep and, and a lot of volume. And it's amazing. It's beautiful. And then I saw the real watch. For most of them, I have to, I have to admit, I was disappointed because it's so... I'm talking like 15 years ago, before the micro brand and all the independent that I love now are are working differently. But back then, it was all very, you know, tiny and flat and uh, the dials were looking pretty much the same. Uh, there was no volume. so And I promised myself that my watch would look better in real than in pictures. And that's why I was working with so much depth and uh, volumes. For me, that was paramount.
0: Well, it will be wonderful when the watches are distributed further afield through a retail network, which, as you alluded to before, will be made more possible by an adjustment of the prices to allow for, obviously, a margin for the retailers as well. I think, strangely, whether it was planned or otherwise, the release pattern that you've had so far plays into your hands when it comes to raising the prices because you started off with an incredible piece with a tourbillon with a with a mixture of high-end jewelry and high-end watchmaking together in one piece and then you step back to the quartz movements and focused on perhaps the unique selling point of, of Beauregard watches as you built out the collection further But now as you go back towards mechanical movements you have a very very obvious reason to step up the prices even further to make that kind of international expansion and the possibility of people trying these watches on their wrist and really getting to experience the wonder of them firsthand more likely so yeah tell us a little bit more about this men's collection because you see the advantage of a podcast is we can't see anything so we can't really break an embargo you could just you know whisper in the ears of the time show network tell them something they're not going to hear anywhere else come on give us a scoop I'll give you a few numbers. So, uh, the dials. Well, there's two dials. There's a center one
1: and an, uh outside one. So the the hands are between those two dials, a little bit like the the flying tourbillon. You know, we have those those petal hands. So we're working with the same kind of disc for the the hands, uh, and those two dials are made in gold. That is uh, open work with uh, wire cutting. And the thickness of the gold is uh, 0.2 millimeter. So it's like uh, filigram. It's very, very delicate and very fragile to work with because it's gold. So it's, it, you know, it's you just hold it in your hand and it starts to bend. So working this is, uh, yeah, it's quite a challenge. And then what we do in those opening, we put stones. So we do like you try It's a glasswork, I believe. You know, like in an- mm-hmm vitrail but with precious stones so all the, the the stones have to be cut precisely to the shape of the opening in the golds and there's only 0.2 millimeter of gold between every stones. so we have to work on every stone by hand to fit it uh, in in that uh, and we're talking like Really, really small stones. Some of them uh, are like 1.2 by 1.5 millimeter. So, wow, uh, yeah. And it it's it's carved in a shape that is nothing but it's not an easy one, never. Because of course, I I don't know.
0: There's a problem with me. I cannot do easy. I can... Sounds <laughs> right. like you got a lot of problems, to be honest. Yeah. All to our, also our benefit.
1: <laughs> but for me, it's all fun. You know, it's a, we're working <laughs> like. A, I'm working on two months on a dial but in the end when you look at it and you're happy with it, it's it's worth every minute of it. So that's that's the, the kind of dial we're working with and there's a lot of light coming back from the stones. So you have uh, uh, garnet, amethyst, uh, tourmaline, uh, you have uh, 11 different stones on the dial. Uh, the case is of course gold and I, I worked quite a bit on it to have the an interesting shape. I want, to, uh, uh, yeah, the case to be much uh, thinner than the tourbillon. Uh-huh. Uh, we're trying to be under uh, eleven millimeter. Uh, the uh, The watch is uh, forty millimeter in diameter. Okay. So I want, you know, I want uh, something consequent but still wearable, easily wearable. Uh, it's, it's a men's watch, so forty for me is, it's it's. For my wrist, it's a perfect size, and I, I kind of made it for me. I made my watch, and actually that came from journalists who kept asking me at fairs, what do you wear? And I said, well, I'm working on this. <laughs> and I've been working on it for seven years now. And so that's that's the starting point. I'm making my watch the one I'm going to wear and I, I want to wear. So no diamonds on the case? No diamonds on the case. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's really pure carving and something more like from the middle ages in terms of mm. work or fabergé if you like mm. no no uh faceted stones and then on the movement side i'm working with a watchmaker in switzerland a friend that i cannot name right now because we're, we 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 need to make an official announcement eventually but uh yeah it's going to be manual mount a very classic uh, movement, but uh, top decoration on every component, and that I'm working with uh, friends again in the, in Switzerland for the decoration, and we're gonna actually work
0: on the decoration because I want to learn that trade. So, <laughs> will the movement itself have gold elements, or will it be a more traditional style of movement? It's uh, totally uh, traditional in terms of uh, craftsmanship.
1: the mm-hmm. uh, The work is going to be on the, the finishing, the ankling. Well, you know, those finishing that makes the difference on every screws and every sure. rubies. Uh, because I'm, I'm picking my own ruby, I want to have a signature. Uh, that, that's another surprise, and uh, mm. gold uh, chateau for the. So yeah, we're making a classic. Mechanical movements with superlative finishing. And of course, uh, chronometry
0: uh, is way beyond cost. Yeah, do you think anyone cares about the chronometric performance of a watch of this level of artisanal superlativeness? I do. Yeah, <laughs> you too. Well, yeah, it's your watch. You've been making it for yeah. seven years. It better bloody well keep time. You're totally right. I mean, there's not even
1: a second on the watch. There's oh, right. uh, an hour and a minute. But for me, yeah, this is non-negotiable. It has to be extremely precise. It's I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I could not live with it if it, it was losing like 15 seconds a day. It's, to me, it's not lettable.
0: To me, it's... Yeah. I mean, slapping a Seiko NH35 on the back of your masterpiece <laughs> would be a bit of a shame, I guess. But tell me this, right? This is uh, this is amusing, I guess. What have you been wearing for the past seven years while you've been designing this perfect watch?
1: Yes, I I've been wearing actually the first watch I made. You know, when I started working in Switzerland, I made first watch with the stone dial, but that was what with a movement I developed with uh, friends in La Chaux-de-Fonds. Uh, so it was our movement. It, it's actually the same base that we worked on for the Tourbillon. The thing is, I, we made this watch. We made uh, six of them. I had all the photos ready, the the movies, the website. And then I started working on the tourbillon and lost total interest in that first collection. <laughs> because compared to the tourbillon, I mean, it, it's kind of like I was uh, practicing and then I found my voice. And then I, uh, and I didn't see how the tourbillon could talk with the first collection. You know, they were so different that they could not uh, be put side to side. It, it didn't make sense so, so what happened to the other five pieces i, I shelved it i just uh, can i have one <laughs> i sold <laughs> i sold two to friends and uh, yeah yeah i can show you there is one in the, the one i'm wearing uh, right now no, is in the black opal and actually I see when i was in new york barbara saw it on my wrist and she went berserk and said
0: what is this uh, barbara palumbo sorry I was gonna say I was gonna add Palumbo yeah. in case anybody didn't know who he meant by Barbara, but I think she's kind of like mononymous now, isn't she? Yeah. Barbara, yeah. Barbara.
1: And she just she just took the watch and started doing pictures and posted them online. So now I have, uh, I have a lot of messages. How
0: so.
1: much yeah. <laughs> And I was wearing it at Watch and Wonders, and same thing, you know. I was presenting the watch, and all the the men's were like crooking their head to see what I was wearing, and so I had to talk as much about. That collection, so eventually I'm gonna have to rework it and probably launch it because I have uh, hundreds and hundreds of requests for it, for that watch. But right now I'm just I don't have time to uh, to to put it back on the workbench. But yeah, eventually I will. So that's that's the one I'm wearing right now, and actually the one that one in Opal is promised to another friend in Montreal, and I think we have another one in Lapis it's all natural stone again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are steel keys with the movement that again is, you know, I, I should not be surprised, but I'm always uh, when I'm wearing it and then it's been like five or six days I've checked the time and I I, I check with my phone and it's so accurate and it gives me tremendous pleasure. <laughs> like you said, it's it's a watch for beauty, but to me it has to be that precise it has to there's no negotiating on that
0: for me well you've learned your lesson from this next time you've got a a watch that isn't technically for sale available don't wear it anywhere near barbara palumbo otherwise yeah. <laughs> the watch community will find out all about it Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's well, terrible for making all this work for you what awful what awful thing you know yeah. <laughs> no no we're gonna we're gonna relaunch it someday yeah you should do a special edition with her you call it the Babs. You just you know, she could be your your ambassador. I'm <laughs> sure she'd uh, she'd certainly earn her, earn her money. That's for sure. Um. Okay. Uh. So, aside from the watches that you've made yourself, do you collect watches yourself, or are you really someone that has to be involved in the creation of a product that you would wear on your own wrist?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have to uh, eat like my the jewelry for my wife. I'm, I make them. Uh, I have friends in Switzerland who ask me for a special piece for a special occasion uh, because honestly when you make those dials you can make anything it's uh ah. in terms of jewelry so so I try not to uh, say yes too much because it's very time consuming uh, uh, but in terms of what other watch would I wear that's that's something I'm gonna have to Back to you with because I I'm so focused on on what I do, uh, I I don't take a lot of time to to look around. You know, my head is always on the on the bench and the on the screen or the paper. I'm just always. It's exhausting actually for my wife that I okay. <laughs> we we go in vacation and I always have my little black book in which I sketch and sometimes she tells me you know
0: just just leave the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I understand that. Yeah. I'm guilty of the same thing myself. Okay. So we'll, we'll leave that one for now in terms of what other watch you would wear. Last question for you, because we're approaching an hour. It's been a very swift hour, actually. It's buzzed by because I've enjoyed listening to you. There's so much passion coming through. I'm, I'm really like pleased that you had the time to come on the show. Um, would you ever work with another brand on a collaborative project? Because of course we've seen in recent years, for the uh, currently suspended only watch auction, of course, a couple of yeah. major major brands team up yeah. and create special pieces. Now, you, of course, are renowned as a stone specialist, I suppose, rather than primarily a movement specialist. Would you ever turn your hand towards a collaboration with uh, a watchmaker of extremely high repute?
1: There, there's a lot of discussion about this <laughs> with, uh, uh, yeah, with a few people. So we're for now, we're just you know, exchanging ideas, talking, nothing, uh, concrete for the moment, but we, yeah, we had a lot of exchanges, uh, uh, about doing, uh, like a Beauregard dial on another brand's, uh, watch. And, uh, it will happen, uh, for sure. Now we're, again, we're, we're a bit swarmed with the, 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 the men's watch coming. And, uh, we have uh, 20 more Lily Bouton on the bench, uh, working, but, uh, that's definitely something I want to do because those people are, are to me, they're, uh, heroes of, uh, my early year as a watchmaker. Now I got to meet them and it's, you know, you're a little bit star, starstruck, uh, like the first time you meet, uh, Vianney, uh, Alten, yeah. when you go to St. Croix and I have dinner with him and his wife. And I was with my wife and those are special moments. And so, yeah, making, uh, Okay, I'll, I'm going to say it. Making a deep space with a dial, a blog-out dial, is something we're we're uh, casually talking about. <laughs> wow, we we touched it again in New York last week when we met, uh, and a few more watchmakers from Switzerland were were discussing the same kind of uh, of collaboration. So yes, it's it's something that's going to happen in the coming years, and. Yeah, probably a few because uh, again, very passionate. And when I when I have something in my head, it's very hard to to just ignore it. So I I draw it. I do the three Ds. I do the prototype. And you know, we, we're just discussing. And the next time we meet, I come
0: with a prototype, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> 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 so yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit intense. <laughs> well, there's only one way to be when you're trying to achieve something exceptional. Thank you for the insight. There and for the, uh, the scoop, we'll call it a scoop. We love scoops. Mm-hmm. That's great. Just so the audience knows, when is the men's collection due to debut? Uh, Watch and wonders uh, twenty twenty four. Watches and wonders twenty twenty four. Okay, put it in your calendar. Alexander, thank you so much for spending time with us. It was really wonderful to get a look behind Beauregard's curtain and hear about all of the things that go on behind the scenes. How you do business, what you believe in, and exactly what we can expect to see from you in the future if any of our audience have questions for alexander and would like to get in touch you can do so by contacting me on instagram i'm there at rob Nuds, that's r-o-b-n-u-d-d-s my regular co-host can be found at a-l-o-n-b-e-n-j-o-s-e-p-h or you can contact us by email either rob or Alon at therealtime.show or via the contact form on the website www.therealtime.show we'll be back soon with more question and answer sessions and interviews with watchmaking's finest. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking.